In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in their own way, answer the question, who is Jesus? In Luke, one of the clear answers that were given to this question, who is Jesus, is that Jesus is one who comes with true authority. And so we come to a part in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is beginning to announce that he has come as the true authority in this world. And so for a little context, the story that precedes our gospel text this morning is when Jesus and the disciples embarked to sail across the Sea of Galilee. Well, you know this story. And so as they set sail, Jesus sleeps, although storms are raging on the lake. And so the disciples become panicked and they wake him up because they're scared. And with Jesus' word, the winds cease and the chaos is put down. Peace and order are established. And that story ends with the disciples marveling, who is this that even the winds and the water obey him? Well, we see in that story that Jesus has authority over all creation, over nature itself. Well, now Jesus and his disciples have crossed the lake opposite Galilee, and they're in a region of Gentiles. And so the Messiah, the king of the Jews, heads into Gentile country, and the disciples have to be wondering what they're doing here among the pagans. Take notice of the first word spoken in our gospel reading this morning. It's not Jesus who speaks, but it's the man who is possessed by demons. When the man sees Jesus, he says, or perhaps the demons say, we're not sure who's speaking, what have you to do with me? The presence of Jesus evokes a defensive response because the demons believe they are in their domain, their place, the place where they are supposed to be, the place where they're supposed to be safe from God's word, from the intervention of God. Yet Jesus has come to where they are as the one with true authority. The people of the city have chained this afflicted man naked among the tombs. The man might as well be dead. He can no longer live in the city. He can no longer live in a house and a home. He can only abide among the dead. And this is where the demons belong, among the dead. That's where they seem to thrive, certainly not in worshiping the living God, they don't thrive in safe communities and homes and structured society, but they're thriving in death. And if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, we can see that the serpent, Satan, appears in the garden not to bring order and better life for Adam and Eve, but only to bring them away from God and into death. In fact, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John that Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And so a turn to the demonic, a turn to Satan, is a turn away from life and a turn toward death. Right? It's the same evil that we're seeing in our gospel story, the same evil that brings Cain to kill his brother Abel, the evil that leads Pharaoh to slaughter Hebrew children, the evil that leads King David to murder Uriah, the evil that leads Judas to hand over Jesus to a certain death, if we were to hold up the magnifying glass to death throughout the scriptures, we see that Satan's fingerprints are all over it. And so the demons then are quite justified in asking Jesus, 
What have you to do with me? They are certain that the territory of death is theirs. The tombs is theirs. They know God is the God of the living, not the dead. Surely he doesn't belong in the tombs with the man who is as good as dead. Often as Lutherans, as good mainline Christians, we shy away from talking about the demonic, about evil personified, and the ways in which evil makes itself manifest in our world. However, we cannot read the gospel accounts and conclude that somehow demons are not real, demonic activity is not genuine. But I wonder in our world if we're seeing demonic activity in what John Paul II calls the culture of death. Right? He explained that the culture of death thrives wherever life itself is opposed, such as in any type of murder, genocide, abortion, euthanasia, willful self-destruction, whatever violates the integrity of the human person, whatever insults the dignity of the human, such as subhuman living conditions, arbitrary imprisonment, deportation, slavery, prostitution, the selling of women and children, as well as disgraceful working conditions where people are treated as mere instruments. These are the things that poison humanity. And every one of us, I think, could list the ways in which the culture of death affects our communities, our country, our world. We know the realities of mass shootings. We hear about the abuse of children. We can read about the conflict in Ukraine, and the list could go on and on. But what our text shows us is that the presence of Jesus is the presence of light and life, even in those demon-infested tombs. Jesus has authority not just in the places where he's expected to be, like the synagogues, the temples, among the Jewish faithful, but Jesus has unquestioned authority in the places where he is not expected. In the tombs, Jesus has unquestioned authority to order the demons to leave the Gentile man. Jesus comes into the tombs, he opposes death, he opposes evil, and he brings life. When the people from the town had heard Jesus cast out the demons that plagued this man, they came to see for themselves. And they found, they found a man wearing clothes. They found him serene, calm, peaceful, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And that's the picture of life, to be found sitting at the feet of Jesus, because his presence brings life. The Apostle John calls Jesus life made manifest. In other words, when we see Jesus, we see life itself. The man who is as good as dead now sits in the loving embrace of life itself. The God who commands the winds and the rains, the God who orders the demons to flee, brings life out of death. The theologian Robert Capon notes that Jesus has come to raise the dead. He doesn't come to teach the teachable. He does not come to improve the improvable. He does not come to reform the reformable because none of those things work. And so in our culture of death, we may wonder, does Jesus belong here? Where does Jesus fit into the evil that's all around us? Well, the answer the Gospels give us is clear, that Jesus is in the midst of it. Jesus is not overwhelmed. He's not despairing. But the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Lord 
has conquered it. And as the church, we are also called to bring life into the tombs of our culture of death. Jesus most certainly has authority in this church, but he has authority in all of our communities. He has authority over all of creation. And as ones under his authority, we're called to live as examples of life, of life itself. Right? What does Jesus tell the healed man to do? He says, return home and declare how much God has done for you. Well, that's our vocation too. We are to share the life-giving story of Jesus to a world chained by death. And so wherever death is lingering in your heart, know that Jesus has authority over it. Right? Where there is sin in your life, Jesus forgives it. Where you are despairing, where you feel abandoned, Jesus brings hope. Where the consequences of your past mistake are telling you that you might as well be dead, Jesus invites you to have abundant life at his feet. You cannot be too far away, too hidden, too broken for Christ. Because Christ is the true authority in this world. All is under him. And he is for you. Amen.